welcome back to another Ag Watchers. I guess you could say this is a, a joint Ag Watchers with the uh, Canadian Boots on the Ground podcast. Uh, we've got a guest back on, Corey Nesteroff. You might remember Corey from back in June when we last spoke. Um, back then we were talking about the disaster of how dry it was. Before we get Corey on to talk about the disaster of how wet it is in, uh, in Canada at the moment. Corey, thanks again for, uh, for coming along. What's what's happening? Well, I'm dreaming of being on Bondi Beach in Australia, but I'm not allowed to go there. So, so that that's what's happening in my mind. But, but in Canada, yeah, we're um, uh, well in Canada. We have Vancouver, right? That's kind of our main port that we ship uh, um, majority of our grains through. Um, our pop, all our potash goes through Vancouver. Other than some goes through Portland. Why they ever built it that way, I don't know. But good thing they did because. Is that the G3 terminal? So, well, sorry, in, in, in Vancouver, what you have is you have JRI. G3 is the Cadillac. That is like the best grain terminal in the world, the way it can move grain. We don't have a lot of space in Vancouver, so it's all about just in time and how fast you can spin it, right? Like when I hear the size of your terminals in Vancouver, it just blows my mind away. Um, I think Cascadia is our biggest terminal, and that's 200,000 tons. Whereas ours are, prob- the- ours are probably like, I think Quinana, I've got a feeling it's got on storage of 800. Yeah. That's in perf- so. What's, so what's the story with the port exactly? Because we've seen some footage, Corey, of the floods generally, you know, um, uh, across that region in British Columbia. But um, the port itself, is there damage to the port? Is it just inundated? You know, is it, have they been able to get there and, see the extent of the damage? Do they know how long it's going to take, all that kind of stuff? The, the, like, can you give us a bit of a rundown? Is, the port is fine. What's the matter is, is that, like, you know, through Canada, we have to run everything through the mountains, right? And so when that rain came, it wiped out, like, we're, when you look at where, like, CP and CN are both running through some pretty precarious areas when they're going there. And normally we deal with mudslides and, 72 hours, you move the mudslide away and it's gone. We've wiped out bridges. We've wiped out roads. We've wiped out stuff they don't even know about. They can't even get there to inspect it yet, let alone fix it. And in the meantime, what's happened in Vancouver, and I mean, all the way to Kelowna, which is actually four four hours inland, is all the grocery stores have been wiped clean. There is no gasoline left in Victoria or Vancouver. Um, I'm talking to people there like you have to talk to people on the ground you never don't bother watching the news because it doesn't fit their fear net narrative right in Saskatoon right now they're worried about we don't have enough vaccines that's the number one story on our new you know our our local news story we should be worried of the fact that that's a major port and we're about, about to run out of goods and services here in Saskatoon as well but it's bad there because uh, you think too like milk and chickens all those farms have been flooded out and those are the ones that fed all of Vancouver and Victoria and that whole area. It's done. Like the milk supply is done. The chickens are dead. They're feeding um, dead fish to the cattle and stuff, trying to keep them alive, but essentially they're going to lose all their livestock. Um, so, so, fix- so, so do you think that like going back to the port? Yeah. Do you think yeah. a big thing of it? So, so it's basically the infrastructure getting to port, yeah. So it's the rails, yes. rails, roads, and bridges. And there's some pretty, on Twitter, there's some pretty bad footage of 
like basically like a train car um, on on a rail, but the rail is suspended in the air, which to me, like, like I, I read a, I think I read a press release from Port Vancouver said it would be about three or four days, and I was That's looking, at, cool. I was looking at, it thinking, it's still raining, is it not? Yeah, it's actually blizzarding in Vancouver. Which when I talked to people today there, they said that's rare. That never happens. And so in Vancouver, you know, I remember I flew back from Hawaii once. We stayed in the Vancouver airport, and I woke up in the morning and I saw a skiff of snow, and I'm like, oh. You know, we get snow here in Saskatoon, it's minus 40, it's plus 40, whatever. We deal with all that weather. They get just a little bit of snow, that airport is shut down. So if they get a blizzard, they only have like one or two snow plows. You've got to salt all the planes in order to get the flight out. So they have lost all access to road, air, and rail. The only thing you can get into Vancouver now with is is via the sea. Yeah. Um, so there is, I believe, some access to try and get down to the U.S., but there a lot of things are restricted down there. Um, so, I mean, if I'm looking at, if I'm somebody that has a wheat boat bought from Canada or a canola boat bought from Canada, or I don't think there's any barley sold anymore. They probably all went to Australia. But hmm. potash? Yeah, because that's, that's I, I don't know how you load it. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, like, obviously, you guys don't have much to export this year in terms of grains, yeah, because of yeah. the of the the season. The season's been yeah. terrible, so probably the biggest impact will be potash, really, from an agricultural point of view. Because, Absolutely, because you got I don't know ten million odd tons of potash going out there. So that's even a week. A week, sort of. What's that? You're talking two hundred odd thousand tons that isn't yeah. going out onto the. It's lucky. It's lucky there's so much um, fertilizer um, available elsewhere. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's lucky there's no issues yeah. with fertilizer at mm. all. And None mm. whatsoever. No. And, so, and that's the thing. So Campotex has one option. It's to go to Portland. I mean, I talked to you know Columbia Grain, who has the terminal right beside Portland, and they're like, Corey, you're not fitting any more potash in here. Like, we're maxed out. Things are maxed out. There's no way you're diverting those trains from Canada. And you got to remember a lot of the cars that Campotex uses are probably caught in Vancouver. A lot of the engines that we need to make Western, you know, Canada work are caught in Vancouver. Well, they're, they're um, on the side of those bridges. They're on the other side of them. <laughs> and, and, and there's no way to get them back. So it's going to be, it's going to be quite interesting because it's another one of those situations where it's, it's obviously a black swan event. Another one. That we that we get every, maybe I'm not allowed to say Black Swan anymore. Actually, Matt, but yeah, maybe yeah, you might defend uh, somebody. Um, you might defend the White Swans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the, the but it's another thing that just came out of nowhere, really, and it's and it's quite interesting. Uh, but it's just it just seems that everything at the moment is big. Oh, you yeah. know, the, like it seems whenever something happens, it seems to exacerbate because there is such tight supply around the world, like fertilizer, yeah. tight supply. So if 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 Vancouver goes down, that's another sort of, you know, nail in the coffin, so to speak, of, of fertilizer pricing and fertilizer availability. Well, and- see, the interesting the interesting thing too was when fertilizer prices exploded in two thousand eight, the plan was to build a huge Campotex terminal in Prince Rupert, and when then they collapsed, they canceled that terminal, and so they just kept doing everything through Neptune terminals in Vancouver, and then also in Portland. Now the other thing too is that. I don't know if you ever tried to load a salt boat when it's raining. 
<laughs> but it doesn't work very well when it's raining. So that's the other challenge is it's raining in Portland. So even if you go in, and again, I don't know what they do. They, they divert those vessels that were supposed to come into Vancouver and send them down to, to there, or do they take those rail cars and now switch them to try and send them down to New Orleans? Like I'm sure they're looking at all options today, but the fact of the matter is we were built to turn rail cars in Vancouver from our potash mines. So it would not surprise me to see our potash mines fill up and start to shut down here soon. Um, you know, that's all in Saskatchewan. And I mean, if we don't got rail cars coming out, I mean, those are, it's, they're not very big warehouses to hold a lot of potash there. So I could see us probably slowing down um, until they figure out the logistics. A good friend of mine is one of the top guys in logistics at uh, Campotex. It is an absolute nightmare for him right now. He's not having fun. They don't know what they're going to do. Like, do they divert the trains to Portland and then all of a sudden something gets reopened and you cross the cluster there? Or do you sit and wait? Uh, and I mean, I, I don't know why they call it Campotex because Mosaic isn't producing potash anyways. It's basically nutrient. So there's one man in charge. His name is Mayo Schmidt. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting one because, again, it comes back to that you know, we've seen the last two years just that just-in-time management, yeah? It's worked for 50-odd years, yeah? Worked perfectly for 50-odd years, almost. And then now we're starting to see this sort of situation where, in, in Australia, we, and we'll probably, we'll talk about Australia in a second because we've also had our issue with rains. Uh, but you can't get parts. Parts availabilities low because you used, oh, to yeah. be able to, you used to be able to order stuff and get it pretty soon. And, and now that's, no longer the case. I'll give you an example that is uh, applicable to you, Corey, tonight. You're going to the hockey tonight. Yeah. My local ice rink is the distributor for CCM in, in Australia. Yeah. Is this uh, a Hoiberg tangent? It's a Hoiberg tangent. And, <laughs> and, and, and they ordered a container load of, of hockey sticks, chest protectors, helmets, all sorts of stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. New, new skates and all sorts of stuff. And you, you know what it's like with hockey, you know, they, and especially you, you having kids in hockey, they've got new gear coming out every year. Yep. They're only getting the container of last year's goods. Mm-hmm. Now, which doesn't make any difference because it's exactly the bloody same anyway, really, for, for pub league hockey. But I'm just saying that's, that's a sort of a nine to 12 month delay on imports. So, so before, but, we, yeah. before we go, before we go to Australia, last time we had you on, Corey, as Andrew said at the start, it was all around the, 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 the kind of the severe dry spell that you were going through. And now uh, it's, it, it's a bit reminiscent, Andrew, of what we saw in Australia, um, you know, a few years back where we had, you know, floods and then a couple of years later, bush, no, significant bushfire. And um, at least in Australia, it did change some of the narrative around this whole climate change thing. And I know we spoke about it, and I, I think I might have asked you the question around the drought aspect uh, last time we spoke, and is that changing the perception on the ground particularly amongst the ag sector around is this climate change thing, um, you know, something that's going to give us grief. Is, is this now with this kind of level of flooding we've seen so quickly on the back of a previous kind of climate disaster, are people asking the question there or are people just saying, oh, it's just the normal cycle? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, our climate change, I've said all along, I believe it's real. I've had people that, listen to your podcast and then were offended because I said, I didn't believe it was man-made and they're like, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm allowed to have my opinion, right. You know, I don't have to follow 
you know, what John D. Rockefeller and the Rothschilds tell me, I can follow my own logic. We have to be prepared for climate change, right? And, and that shows is that we are the best of the best at running railways through mountains. Like the men that are going to go, I'm sure there's a woman out there too. I'm sorry, I didn't want to defend people. But the fact of the matter is these are 50 and 60-year-old men. The people who are going to go fix those railways, you don't read that in a book. And you don't hire a subcontractor to do that. These guys have been working for CN and CP all their lives. They're looking at it right now and telling the young guys saying, this is what we need to do. And they may have never even seen it themselves and they've got to fix it themselves. So rather than running around about biofuel and, and I see right now Greenpeace is complaining online. I'm like, there is people about to starve in Vancouver. There's kids and women that are about to starve. I don't care about the 18-year-old men and up. They can go and figure it out themselves. But there's kids that are going to starve. Stop wasting your energy complaining about how it's man-made climate change because you've got real issues to deal with today. You've got to feed people in, in Victoria. You've got to feed people in uh, Vancouver. We've got to get those rail lines reopened. We've got to get those roads reopened. That's where we have to apply our knowledge today. And then afterwards, we have to say, okay, this is going to happen again. We're not going to stop it. We're going to get 40 above during the summer, and we're going to get massive rainstorms. What do we do to improve our infrastructure? And we may have to look at things like spending more money in Prince Rupert, because Prince Rupert, you know, we still do have that. We can still get grain out of there. We can still get containers out of there. Um, but that's only CN serviced, right? You know, CP and CN service Vancouver. So there's a lot of questions that we're going to have to ask. Mm -hmm. And sitting there and blaming the fossil fuel industry isn't going to help you because guess what? You don't have to worry about fossil fuels in Vancouver or Victoria right now because everyone's about to run out of gas. So everyone's going to be riding their bicycles and we're going to be good for the environment. Well, they, the might, they, might not, is, they might not be riding their bicycles. They might be, you know, paddling a boat. <laughs> Yes. I did see a hovercraft on the news the other day. There must have been anyone here in San British Columbia, someone getting around on their hovercraft. So that might that might be the vehicle of the future, a solar-powered hovercraft. Well, we've all seen, you know, what's his name? Uh, that film from the 90s with with that guy from Mad Max. Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Waterworld. Ah, oh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah. No, he wasn't a Mad Max, yeah. but you know, it's like no, Mad Max. Yeah. Mad Max on water. So that, that yeah. could be it. So, so Corey, you wanted to talk about Australia. You know, we. we, we well, yeah. I mean, we. we I mean, like we, I said, as Canadian farmers, so just this is a message to your farmers right now. We're not selling anything. And in fact, one of our biggest issues right now. This is not a big deal to us as farmers. Our biggest issue is paying tax, and. I mean, I, we've had $23 canola, $18 yellow peas, $13 red spring, uh, $8 barley. And guys are like, whatever, I don't care. Uh, crop insurance payments are coming in like crazy, like billions and billions of crop insurance payments. Guys' biggest issues are how do I deal with my tax issues today? So there is no uh, shortage of cash here. Uh, we've actually went and soil sampled and found that we have 100 up to, up to 200 pounds of actual nitrogen still left in the soil in some places. Yeah, that's, that was what I was going to ask you. So next year, you guys don't have to buy much fertilizer. We don't have to buy much at all. So as long and, as and guy, so, so as long as it gets a bit of rain, you guys should be reasonably set up. We're setting up to 
I, as, as I connected with your guys out of Australia, we're setting up to seed for a drought. We're going to cut our seeding rates. Uh, we're not going to use seed treatments. We're, we're going to cut back as much as we can. We can lock in a margin with our public crop insurance. So yeah, there's the guy that says, go swing for the fence, et cetera, et cetera. No, the smart guy goes and locks in his 150 to $200 a ton acre margin. And it is what it is. Because if you swing for the fence this year, you could end up losing money. Yeah, you could make a lot of money, but you could end up losing it. So the Western Canadian farmer, you know, boots on the ground says we grow 40 million tons. You know, Stats Canada will come out and I don't know where they get their number from, but whatever. The last number was 52. So we'll see what they come out with. Maybe they come out with 45. Um, we should be growing 80 million tons in Canada, you know, Western Canada. If we can grow 50 million tons next year, we'll consider that to be a success. If they get to 60 million, that'll be like a huge success. There's areas that need 20 inches of rain to grow a normal crop. And we have a four month growing season. So to get 20 inches of rain, that actually hurts you. It takes your crop backwards. You know, yeah. the big bumper crops we had were because we got flooded in certain years. And then the next year as we grew the bumper crops. So, you know, we, we could previously grow a big crop on four to five inches. We can't do that this year. I mean, we might make it look good all the way up till June, but then when we really need the moisture, it's just not, I don't think we can get it right. So we're planning for a crop failure and we have crop insurance for that reason. And um, no farmer is excited to sell this grain for that reason. You're, you're not getting any forward selling. I mean, a good example, sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. A good example is Cargill's pro pricing. They used to sign up where, that you would give them their grain today and they would sell it for next year for you. So they would sell your red spring and they would sell your canola and they would market it for you. And i saw them sign up to 250,000 tons on it once, which is huge because they're only like 10% market share. From what I've heard, there's 5,000 tons signed up through all of cargo. Farmers mm -hmm. will not forward sell grain in Canada ever again. I shouldn't say that there is the odd one. But most guys realize I don't need to forward sell grain. I can grow it, put it in the bin, and then sell it. So the dynamics in Canada have changed. The, this drought was a generational change in the market. And this, and, this, and this is the difference between Canada and Australia, where you got a lot of farmers here don't forward sell, or they don't forward sell much. I still, I still think there's a, there's a place to do a bit before, a bit during, and a bit after harvest. Uh, but, but we've been through plenty of droughts. We've had we've we've probably had more droughts in the last ten years than you guys have had in the last forty. The first, yeah. the first step, of, right. the, the first step in that forward selling equation, though, Andrew, is actually having a bit of production a view, risk. Yeah. But well, but it's also having a view of what of what's going on in the market, not just not just on your farm and yeah, in yeah, your region or in your country. It's 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 having that yeah, picture it's, of it's, this it's, this year's this. I'm gonna. It's, I've got it's, this is budgeting, right. It's two. Well, like you can have you could have a view, yeah. Let, let, you could have a view of, of where you think the market's going, yeah. And it's all very well. Like say you're setting it more a year and you think, wow, the global market, fuck, the price of that is fantastic. That's a that's a fantastic price in nine months' time. If I look at that price in just now, in nine months' time, I'd be pretty happy. But you've also then got to look at what your production. There's no point exchanging taking away price risk. And exchange yeah. it for production risk because production risk is far bigger risk for Australian farmer than price risk. So well, even the so Canadian farmer today, there's lots of guys that have 200, 300, 400 million dollar buyouts. And, yeah. and on top of it, when they went and phoned particularly by Terra, 
uh, or Glencore in July and said, I want out. And Glencore says, oh, no, no, no. Or he's, they wouldn't even answer the phone. And then the market ran on them. And then Viterra says, oh, now, now you can buy out. So there's Glencore is going to learn a hard lesson in Canada because farmers, they'll, they'll stroke that check, but they're not coming back. And it's very easy to drive around your competitors in Canada now. There's been so, in fact, they're still building terminals as we speak. Yeah, so, but, but, go, think, but, Andrew, from, just to finish that point, from your average farmer's perspective, though, right? Um, they, they're good at the production side. I know there's still the production risk, but, you know, there's not many farmers picking around the place that last long enough that don't know what's going on on their farm in their region in terms of that production mm-hmm. aspect, right? It's, it's 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 more common, I think, that if they're going to have a weak spot in their in their kind of in their weaponry or their arsenal in terms of how they you know manage their farm, it's it's probably beyond the farm and into the international market. You know, oh, the, absolutely, the, like hundred percent. That's that's that is the you know farmers. We know this from when when we 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 ask people this when we we're doing those uh, discussions back in uh, in in South Australia early on mm. in the year. You know, you're all good at farming. It's like if, when you think about from efficiency point of view, Corey, like an Australian farmer has the best water use efficiency in the world. We get more kilograms of grain per millimeter of rain than anywhere else in the world. That's just efficiency. Yeah, we got to be efficient. But most farmers, and I say this is on a global level as well, most farmers don't give a monkey's uncle about markets. Yeah, they 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 obviously they care that they get a good price. But most don't really are not interested in reading about the market or you know learning massively about. It. They want it simple and, and and put them to them because it's not. They want to farm. The actual physical farming is the thing that is of of interest. That's what they that's what they get up in the morning and, and do. So, so so before we should go on now, we should tell you about what's happening in Australia. Yeah, we want. Well, we're we're sitting here, we're paralyzed in Saskatchewan right now. There's nothing we can do in Western Canada. It's like. We expect bids to start disappearing here soon, especially on the pulse side. Um, so, I think so we, the only way we're going to move our pulses is if we phone Columbia Grain and sell grain down to them. That's about the only way we're going. There is no way we're getting a container here now. We couldn't get a container to Vancouver before this. Um, there is going to be zero priority on giving container shipping for lentils or any of our other special crops out of Western Canada after this for probably a year because that's a massive backlog they're going to have to clean over there. So, so we, we've got in Australia, we've got our own issues as well at present. We have had an absolutely fantastic year when it comes to rain, if we talk about overall. There's still patches that had frost and, and whatnot, but but really up until now, we have had, up until really November, it's been a pretty good run on a national basis. Uh, but now we've just got this, the rain has come at the wrong time. Not not as bad as you guys, but we have, we have got some towns that have been evacuated. Uh, I think parts of... Near Forbes, I think. Have been about yeah, they are. They, yeah, they, they're certainly on flood watch, and there's areas that are, you know, kind of putting up the what are those um, sandbags and everything, you know, just because there's not, not, nothing to the extent that you guys are getting. No, no and and it's and, but but what we're seeing though is it's not just in previous years when we had these sort of really wet sort of harvests. It used to be like say Western Australia would have a wet harvest, or East Coast would have a wet harvest. Uh, because you've got to remember, obviously, where's where's why I couldn't believe how big you are, right? And, and well, how long you farm for. I learned a lot when you, you taught me a lot last time. And and so what we've got though at the moment is we've got really a wet harvest in Western Australia, in South Australia, in Victoria, 
in wow. New South Wales. So it's, it's it's almost every cropping area. Well, it is mm. every cropping area. Other than Queensland, but Queensland Queensland is all pretty much finished. So so they missed it. But so now we've got this issue where <clears throat> uh, it's just too wet, and it's going it, to. We're probably. I, I think I said to you last week we're probably two weeks behind. I reckon we're probably getting into three weeks behind now of where we should be. What's the quality uh, like? Is it is it well, affecting that's, the quality like falling number and stuff? And... Well, that's the massive issue we've got just now. Is we we had identified back in September. We were talking about it in an in in a, in a podcast and a few articles about how uh, our higher protein weights were trading at a very narrow premium to our base level, and our you know lower quality wheats were trading at you know a very small discount, and we said well. At that point, there was a rainfall forecast for three months, which said it was going to be wet, um, yeah. and and so so we said, well, if if it gets wet, it's going to it's going to uh, explode out those premiums, those spreads, and, and and to be honest, we thought they were too low at that point anyway. Yeah. Like regardless, it was too low. Like at that point, we were we were viewing it as being well, why are we at such a big sort of a narrow spread for premium proteins when you know you've had the, the the spring wheat crop in the U.S. and Canada absolutely obliterated. You've had the French quality has fallen, um, and so we we thought even even regardless of if it was a wet harvest, the premium should be higher. Uh, but yeah. now what we're seeing is we're seeing just even even in the last two weeks we're seeing that you've got our base level we we call it APW one is, is is there so let's call that zero. But now you know that spread up to sort of higher protein weights is increasing increasing. And that discount to lower quality wheats is increasing because the biggest risk we have is that we end up having a lot of feed wheat, a lot of low quality wheat. That's the big risk that we have. And, and so there's a big challenge at the moment is that the trade has been looking at it as being a, a case of, well, let's book as many sh- shipping slots as possible. Uh, we always export the first half of the year generally. And, and now there's issues where there's going to be delays to, to loading vessels to get an access to, to volume. And and the thing we'd sort of say to growers is, that, is the reality is that there's a lot of boats being ordered, but the buyers haven't bought all the grain to fill those yet. And 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 that's that is that is what it is. And 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 the biggest challenge, and this is the biggest challenge that farmers have just now, is we we are heavily discounted to the rest of the world. And of I've got a few charts that I'll be updating today to put out. We're heavily discounted towards the rest of the world on barley massively, on canola, on wheat. You've got to be competitive, but you don't yeah. have to be, you know, yeah, just really because you're competitive. Harvesting it doesn't mean you've got to be the lowest price, in the, like a huge discount. You, you, you've only got to be a dollar cheaper than Canada or a dollar cheaper than anywhere well, else. How about <laughs> this message to the buyers of Australia and to your farmers? Even if we wanted to sell our grain today and compete against you as Australian farmers, we can't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Prince Rupert cannot service these buyers. And and Thunder Bay, by the way, our other port terminal that goes east is about to shut down for winter. So uh, unless we're going to go use the American River um, and this whole point of us saying we're going through Washington is a joke. We can't get through Washington. Is is there any... any, too early yet, or is there any, any kind of indication as to how long you're, you're going to be out for, or, or is it just that they just haven't been able to, you know, no, no idea how long is a piece of string? Yeah, you, you have no, well, I mean, like I said, they can't even inspect areas, so let alone try and fix them, and it's going to keep raining. 
Well, I'll give, I'll give, he, he, here's something about repairing railways. Yeah, we actually got an an interesting uh, a bit of news the other day. One of the rail companies here has to re repair a line. I can't remember if it's New South Wales or Victoria, and uh, right in the middle of harvest when we need those trains. And uh, and the railway company said to Grain Corp, uh, "Oh, could you just get the growers to, you know, to uh, to delay harvest a couple of weeks for us?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, so 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 so, so there's, there's an interesting sort of thing about you know our yeah, discon yeah. our, our disconnect between rail companies and and the customers. No, I'd say in Canada we're a lot better. I mean, they understand the farmers a lot better here. Um, a lot of people have come from the farm that work for CP and CN. And, I, and when I worked in Winnipeg, they're good people that work there. I mean, they're very good people that work there and they're very smart people that work there. But everyone has their limits. And, and like I said, there is very few people that know how to fix what's going to go on in, in Vancouver right now. They're, and and every place they go, they're opening up another Pandora's box. It just seems like I guess every time they fly that that helicopter, there's another rail bridge out. There's another thing completely wiped out. And I mean, like you don't just take a backhoe and like fill this stuff in. Like these are absolute ginormous sinkholes that you Man. have to bring in, fill from from the rail line itself. Like I know to Thunder Bay, the, the years ago. They had massive sinkholes that formed there and they would bring in train load after train load and just dump dirt and refill that sinkhole. But that's flat land there. It's easy to do. It's not like where you watch someone where these rail lines go through and like, I cannot even believe they run a rail line through there. It's scary where they run these rail lines through and they're wiped out. And, and, and you know, the other thing you got to remember is that Everyone that's going to fix them are union guys. So that train might get there with a load of dirt. And if that train times out, they're done. That train times out, they don't work another minute because they're unionized. They shut it down. They get off the train and they bring in another crew to try and fix it. So the union thing will cause a lot of issues on trying to fix this because the people that know how to fix it, it's not a general contractor you're hiring to fix it. It's people that actually work at the railways. And uh, when they say three to four days, that's just because they're trying not to cause panic, but it's too late. The panic has happened in Vancouver. And even here in Saskatoon, I can see stuff that's running low on the shelves. We are reliant on Vancouver as our biggest port in the world. And... Um, yeah, when it comes to grain, don't don't let anybody tell you as an Australian farmer that the Canadian farmer is selling here. Because A, we weren't to start with. And like I said, B, even if we wanted to. Um, like, I'm very curious to know about what's going on with your crop, but it doesn't matter. I can't do anything about it. It's like you're basically, well, what do we do now? We just kind of twiddle our thumbs and uh, and listen to the mainstream media tell us that everything's okay. When, when in reality, you're talking to people on the ground. From from our point of view, for, for the Australian farmer, they got first and foremost you got to get out the ground, and and that's it, and then like, and then see what happens, like, you know, especially canola. Like we've been saying this for a long time with canola. You know, we 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 are, what are we? We are about. I'm gonna I'm pulling number completely out of my head just now uh, because I don't have a spreadsheet in front of me, but we are two hundred odd dollars below ice canola futures. And, and whereas we would normally be forty dollars, forty dollars above, give or take, 
and and we're similar sort of levels with Matif. And then you sort of look at, you know, cost and freight matrices and you say, right, we're competitive, but we're like, you don't have to be, you know, if the fragment's sake, it's 900 US dollars into the Netherlands. Well, we don't, we, we can sell, we're competitive at, you know, 890. We don't need to be 820 or whatever. I'm using hypothetical numbers here. Yeah. And, and this is the issue is the grower bid is, is, is heavily discounted. And but I always say just because it's a bid doesn't mean it's a market. The market is where yeah. the farmer and the buyer are willing to sell. And honestly, if I'm, a, if I mean, I, I, I'm a very opinionated person, but if, if, if Australian farmers are listening to me, do not sell your canola at that price. I think it's absolutely outrageous, you know, because whoever wants Canadian canola, they can't get it now. Like, I mean, you got to remember that we also export canola oil and we export canola meal through there. And that's done now too. That's done. It's absolutely done. And I, I mean, our canola crush was not actually like that much lower than last year, which means we are exporting canola oil and it means we are exporting, exporting canola meal. And whoever was accessing that market, they ain't getting it now. Mm. Don't know when they're going to get it. But it's we, a, we have... It's a mad, mad... It's a mad, mad world. And that's why markets are interesting. Well, Corey... We, we we had a thirty minute limit. You know, you, you you've got to go to hockey. So we we've, we've just we've just hit that. So again, thanks for coming on uh, and having a chat and telling us what's happening on the ground in Vancouver. So um, I did if we did have one question asked though. So has it stopped raining? Are you guys harvesting now again? Uh, not yet. Not yet. No, I look. I'll look at the. Uh, that's while we're on. Let's look at the eight-day rainfall. And to be honest, it's been fairly accurate. Eight-day rainfall is so you got s- southern Western Australia is is going to be wet. You know, ten to fifteen mils. Wow. Uh, probably up to twenty-five in some places. Those areas are areas that in, are still harvesting. Uh, Victoria, we're talking fifteen to twenty-five mils. They've not really started yet. And oh, Jesus wept. Uh, New South Wales, which is large tracts of that. Oh, Jesus wept. That's pretty bad. 50 to 100 mils. As so, a farmer, you'd be out of your mind to sell anything there. Absolutely. Well, why would you do that? Well, you know, those sort of levels after the rainfall we had are, you know, geez, I'd be thinking more about, you know, whether the bridges and stuff will, will hold up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so now nah, I'm being a bit sardonic there, but that's pretty, I've, that's a pretty bad rainfall forecast. So I've, that's for this, this time of year. For this time of year. And, uh, and so, so for a week, question is: you, 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 week, with that, you can say goodbye to quality in New South Wales. Yeah, because it's most of your wheat. Does it go to wheat millers? Then is that is is it like Asian wheat buyers that look? We've or is there a lot of it goes feed as well? Look in in a lot of it. A lot of it is high quality, high protein wheat, uh, and and we've been traditionally a big seller into the that sort of milling market but also noodles as well remember mm-hmm. oh uh, yes yeah s- small amount of durum into italy uh, but but in recent years it's been a lot more more and more has been going as into the feed market even though it's high quality because that's where the demand is coming from so but we've that's going to be that's going to be a big issue that rain like that's a, i'm literally looking at that live and i hadn't seen how bad it was so that's quite a shock and then what about, this is a big one, obviously, for Canadian farmers is lentils. Like, where are you at with your pulse crops right now? And 
And do you have vessels booked, or do you need do you need to move them via containers? Vessels. Like this is this is going to be the biggest challenge for 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 pulses. Is that we don't we're not as big as you guys in terms of pulses, and um, so we we generally don't have a huge number of bulk vessels. Like it's it's relatively rare to see it yeah. going bulk, so it goes in containers. So the the from what we hear is there's still that big challenge on actually getting access to a container to export. Yeah. And 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 bearing in mind that a lot of the actual shipping companies that uh, we have a route which is basically sort of I think off the top of my head it's like uh, Australia, like say Melbourne or Sydney to Malaysia, Malaysia then to India or the subcontinent, and the uh, the the shipping companies don't want to do that route because it's too slow. So they want to be, yeah, going to China. Well, the only chance I think we have to move lentils out of Canada now is if we can get a boat together, which I thought, you know, eventually maybe India did have to come to, you know, Viterra and say, hey, load us a boat. Because you know what? We had lots of rail cars and we had what I thought was a great port. But of course, that port is closed now. Um, you know, Vancouver services all of West, all of Canada with Chinese goods. So there's zero chance that any of our Pulse players are going to get a container. We know that. They're done. They're going to be spending the next four months trying to clean this mess up. So the only way we're going to get lentils to market is maybe Columbia Grain sending it down to the U.S., which I'm sure if we start selling too many lentils down there, those farmers will get angry at us or loading a boat. But, I mean, the risk for Viterra is how do I load a 50,000-ton boat or 30,000-ton boat? when I might only be able to buy 10,000 tons, right? Yeah. So, exactly. you know, we're kind of looking at it. Our lentil price is backed off. Uh, there is one player out there that's kind of doing an Eastern Canada play, but other, other than that, it's like, you know, we're like waiting out what's going on in Australia, but um, farmers don't care. I mean, I think most people are going to look at uh, with most of their grain in Canada and not look to sell it until maybe March or April. Um, and what people don't realize around the world, I don't think buyers don't understand, is that in a drought in Canada, just because we grow it doesn't mean we need to sell it. A lot of farmers will carry a lot of grain. So our carryouts on farm will actually probably be bigger year over year because farmers just carry the grain and they don't care. Like the one guy said to me, he sold $18 peas here. And I said, what are you doing with your money? He goes, I'm going to put it all in Bitcoin. That doesn't have any... But otherwise, guys are saying, why am I selling? I'll just let it go up and down, up and down, play the market. Physical grain is worth everything. And we're seeing stagflation. And everyone has memories of the 70s in Canada when farmers who held wheat in the 70s made bank. And that's why every farmer right now is just, they don't care what happens on the Minneapolis Grain Exchange. They honestly don't even care what happens over at your place. They're, they're just saying, look, in the spring is probably when I'll sell my wheat. And it's 1350 is the best bid today and not one person is selling it. So, Well, we shall see what happens. The next couple of months is going to be interesting. So, Corey, we will leave you there because mm. you've got a hockey game to go to and you've got to, you've got to be that dad on the sidelines shouting at the yeah, I get to. I think I'm working the penalty box today is my plan or whatever. So, that's, But that's, I, I'm that's, seeing, when I'm I, when seeing I, these oceans and I'm thinking – you guys are going into summer and I had a beautiful, what was my temperature today? Oh, it got up to minus six. 
beautiful. Doesn't doesn't it's feel like doesn't feel like summer yet. It's, it's, no, it's not a yet. very late start. Very late start. Whereas oh. you know, as Corey, Corey, that is that is I've when I'm playing hockey, which I haven't played for a year now. Yeah. I've got my own. I take my own cushion with me for the penalty box and just leave. For the there. penalty box. Well, yeah, you are. From, you are. From, we know where you're from. Because so I, I know I spend about at least four minutes on average in there per game. So. so, so you guys are complaining about like. So, what is the temperature there right now? What is uh, um, uh, eighteen plus? About right. Weather. I don't know what we're talking. Thirteen degrees. Mm, Thirteen degrees. Okay. Okay, Cel- so Celsius, uh, Celsius, so you, yeah. you, fifty-five for you. No, 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 no. We, 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 we don't do Fahrenheit here. We just do other things. And, you do bushels, uh, though. So bloody hell. That's right. So okay, Friday minus twelve, Saturday minus fifteen, Sunday minus twenty-one, Monday minus twelve, Tuesday minus thirteen, Wednesday minus eighteen, and there's some good winds in there too. So it'll feel more nice. like minus thirty-five. So if you guys think it's cold, just remember where we are today. Well, just, just remember in, in January, it'll be minus 40 for you and it'll be plus, yes. and it'll be plus 40 for us. You know, Hey, I had my <laughs> plus 42. Guess what? Our crops don't do very good in plus 40 in Western Canada. We found that out this year. It was that canola didn't like it for some reason. I don't know why. You don't have to be an agronomist to work that out. So, no, you didn't. No. Right. Oh, we'll leave you there, Corey. Thanks, Again, thanks. Thanks as always. Well, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I've got my house loaded up with food and um, the, the vehicle is full of gas. I'm pretty sure it should be okay. I'm in Saskatchewan, but I'm definitely glad I don't live in southern BC today because yes. I, I do feel for those people. Stay safe, mate. See you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now. Take care, guys. Oh.